of uh, lessons on the way. This is another one today we'll be working at, and I'll again just put um, for you up front that uh, this is uh, a uh, series on Messiah's commandments, words, and sayings. And I want to bring your attention to that verse. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. Otherwise, you're just going to have to listen to me here. But it's uh, from John 14:6, And it's a declaration of Yeshua. And he tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As with most of my lessons, this isn't as much a teaching as it is a sharing of one of my Bible studies. So that highlighted word there, the way... Uh, caught my eyes, and it's uh, been it's in the Bible um, over 600 times. So, um, pretty important one. Certainly a message that Yah wants us to learn His way. I'll also open now with a um, a reminder of following our guide as we travel along the way. Uh, biblical scholars think this psalm came from King David. I'm going to give a verse from Psalm 101, verse 2. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. And I see there's a few uh, youngsters in the audience here. So I just want uh, you to, to recall, and the group here knows it, no doubt. But psalm means song, basically. So when you're reading song, psalms, you'll see a lot of verses that almost look like they're split in half. And that really was by design. That's how they're songs, and they were intended for one person to sing the front part and then another person to sing the back part. So what you're seeing here, this one they thought was uh, from King David, and, and he's basically saying, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? And then he would get a response from whomever was with him. And it says, uh, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Kind of appropriate for this kind of setting, too, because we've set up houses out there, these temporary dwellings that we're, we're standing in. Uh, but what struck me interesting about that passage is um, if, if David, by chance, was talking to Yah, and he says, oh, why won't you come to, to me really what's happening is we're, we're coming to him we're to come to him through the Messiah so that's that's one of the things that we're seeking to accomplish here at this tabernacle is that we're seeking what Yah's will is now I also have a thought for meditation for you I usually open up my Bible studies with, uh, with one and here's one that says, all human discoveries seem to be made only for the purpose of confirming more strongly the truths come from on high and contained in the sacred scriptures, sacred writings. And um, I got excited when I saw that, first off, that, uh, and I'll show you who it's from, was attributed to uh, Sir William Herschel. He's an 18th century German-born British astronomer. So here's a scientist back in the uh, 18th century just saying that, um, that his discoveries really were being done to help him find the truth in sacred writings. 
and a lot of times today you hear people saying that uh, that might be i'm sure some of you probably even heard well i guess you don't believe in science because you believe in, in the bible well the reality is i for one do believe in science but when science goes against what we're reading in scripture well then the science is wrong they always flip it around they're trying to tell us all oh, about well, your word is messed up you got bad translation or um, somebody was giving you an allegory or you know they got all kinds of ways that you're spiritualizing it but the reality is it wasn't always that way there were scientists in the past that uh, that truly believed in the, the truth in the word and um, that's why I enjoy coming to this group because we're of like minds and so I want to share with you that Hey, uh, when you're running into that, that isn't the way it used to be. And that's just, uh, I, I shared one yesterday from Newton, Sir Isaac Newton. And um, he was attributed with the, the law of gravity. So there are scientists that have been on this planet. In fact, interestingly enough, I'm saying, well, why was it in the 16th century, in the 17th century? And then Obadiah talked yesterday about the age of, of enlightenment. Well, that's when these scientists were coming out with these kinds of quotes. So there really was a, a, a time when knowledge started coming out, scientific knowledge, especially when it was connected with the Word. And uh, so that, that's encouraging for us who do follow science when it agrees with Scripture. So if you weren't here yesterday uh, or heard this talk, I'm going to give some highlights from the last lesson regarding the uh, the way of Yahushua and um, it's a recap and it's about that passage that we studied yesterday he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches that was from Revelation 3 verse 22 and uh, I'll give you the highlights just uh, and again, you'll have this on YouTube, so you can go back and study it and then ponder it and backtrack it into the previous lesson. But churches, because uh, here what the Spirit says to the churches, churches in Scripture, uh, and that passage was ecclesia, and it is more than churches, it's more than the buildings, it's actually the, the gathering of people, and uh, in our, our case of these assemblies, so it's uh, and Thayer's had that it's people seeking salvation through the Messiah. You know, another topic that we talked about yesterday was to hear spiritually. That means reading, understanding, and heeding the word. It's all three. It's not just hearing. It's not just listening to somebody talk about it. It's you, you hearing it, understanding it, and heeding it, doing what the, the word is teaching us. And we also uh, also shared with you my prayer is that uh, today's believers will be blessed with spiritual hearing. Um, only a few people are uh, physically deaf. I'm, t I'm referring to as the scriptures really talking about spiritual hearing. And again, that's related to reading, understanding, and, uh, and doing what the word says. And I just caught the last end of uh, Obadiah's talk, and you're hearing a lot about this famine for the word, that it's coming. So that warning, we went over that uh, a couple days ago, too. And it's throughout Scripture. It's throughout the ancient prophets. 
and you'll see it coming up in, uh, if you have eyes to see, you'll see it even in the, the New Testament. So Obadiah uh, is, is putting out his warning. I guess I'm going to repeat it again because we said it a couple days ago. And I, I don't want you to miss it. In fact, if there's, if there's anything that you got from that whole talk a couple days ago, it's that to breathe your word. Because if you, if you have the word in your mind, Nobody can take that away from you unless they kill you. And they probably, you know, in some cases, that's what they were doing with some of the, um, the, the believers of Yah. But um, they can burn your books. They can wipe out your internet connection, wipe out your commute computers and everything else. But they can't take it out of your mind until they kill you. Amen. And if you're in that blessed group, and I, you're you, you're on your way into the kingdom. If you're giving that, giving up your life for Yeshua because they can't eradicate what you're, what you have in your mind, you're, you're well along the right path. You're on the way. So stay that course. Read that word. You're out in a beautiful setting. You guys should either be reading in your tents, going out in a quiet spot. This is a great place to be reading the word. And if you don't understand it, you're also surrounded by all kinds of uh, wonderful brothers in, in the faith. And, and sisters that can help you understand what you're reading. Um, and uh, you don't get many settings like this where it's kind of informal. So I can encourage you to utilize especially this Tabernacles Festival. The other thing we covered a couple days ago is that we reviewed this map. It uh, is the seven churches that are found in Revelation. And it's... Uh, and identified Patmos on there, uh, where John was in prison. And, and today we're going to look at that uh, letter uh, to Laodicea, his message. But we did mention uh, a little bit that uh, what John was sending to each of those churches was a vision that he was given on the island when he was in prison. So I just want you to picture that. Here's a guy who's in prison. And he's still reaching out to the to the communities around him, to the assemblies. Now he was sent to do that, but only Yah could figure out a way to send those messages out. And he came specifically to give him visions to each one of those churches because they were all different. And uh, we're going to look a little bit more at um, Laodicea's message. But I just want you, uh, and, and John's name is also interesting. One of the things, uh, you might wonder, well, why do we always raise uh, or explain what the names mean in Scripture? Well, there's meanings within those names. And in the case of John, that's his uh, Hebrew name, Yochanan, means Yah's grace. So Yah's grace truly was being extended out to, to his churches that were, uh, while John was in prison. And while and that island Patmos even has an interesting name, it, it means my killing. So they literally were killing John there. They couldn't kill him. They tried many times. I'm sure some of you recall the history on John, like all the other apostles and things. He's the last one left. He knows all of his apostle buddies, all the ones he went to school with, to Yeshua, all have been wiped out in some kind of uh, highly unusual um, extermination process. So. Uh, he's in there in prison, and they're trying to kill him. He's not only not getting killed, he's getting visions, and he's sending those visions out to the people that he couldn't even reach. So here was a guy literally fighting to the very last day on, on earth. He was 
he's a warrior for Yah. So let's look at uh, his message to uh, the church of Laodicea. Some of you might know it as the lukewarm church. We're going to talk about that term in this, uh, this topic uh, today. Uh, but I want to read again what uh, John was told to send out to the church of Laodicea. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of Elohim. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou may be as rich and in white raiment, and that thou mayest be clothed in white raiment, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you might see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and have sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear with the Spirit, saith unto the churches. So we talked about that a couple days ago. We focused on that last verse, and I've highlighted it there. If you're looking at it on, uh, on the copy. But I, I want to go back now, and what we're going to talk about today is, I know thy works. What's that passage uh, up further there, and I've highlighted it. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou were cold or hot. So we're going to take a look at those, but I entitled this... Uh, message today, a warning for today's lukewarm believers, because a lot of people say, well, I don't read the Bible because it's nothing but ancient history. It really is not pertinent to me. It's not relevant. And I don't want, and I know this group doesn't believe that, but this will also be posted for others to look at it. But, but uh, And hopefully our friends and relatives also will be looking at some of these teachings. Um, but the reality is, yes, it's a history book. We cannot deny it. It's a history book. And the archaeologists are constantly trying to prove the book wrong. And uh, and they don't. And invariably, they end up proving that what the book was saying was actually accurate. And when they think that the book is wrong, ends up a few, might be a couple hundred centuries later, the archaeologists are wrong. So this kind of stuff happens because that's how Yah works. They may attack his word, but they cannot destroy it. They hinder it going out. So I want everyone to recognize that all those letters to the, uh, the churches in, uh, in Turkey and Southeast Asia there really is pertinent to all of us. Now, at least to the churches, and, and I pray that nobody in this group is, um, is in any of those negative, I call them negative churches, but the ones he was really correcting and admonishing. He had some in there that were doing a great job. I think you probably even know who they are. Philadelphia, great church. Uh, and, they, and, and a lot of them had good characteristics, but they weren't perfect. 
So what Yahweh was doing was sending a message to correct them. So what I encourage you is when you're reading your word, look look for yourself in what's being said. Is the individual that you're reading about you might like that individual? Are there characteristics of that individual? Because remember I mentioned the names? Well, names represent character, authority, and, and reputation. I'm also convinced each of us is in this book somewhere. Our name is in this book. And uh, I, I feel we've been born to find ourselves in this book. Find out where you were identified. Come to know who you are and find out what Yah is expecting of you. So, this message truly is about repentance, reconciliation, and healing for Yah's spiritual family. That's what he was sending to Laodicea. It's what it's being sent to us today. It's about reconciling out. Repenting where we're going wrong, doing the wrong things, reconciling ourselves with the Heavenly Father through Yeshua, and then healing our family. My questions are, will today's children of Elohim listen? Will modern day churches heed the word? I want you to hear a, a passage from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, because and I'll read it, and then we'll just talk a little bit about it. Isaiah 6, 8 through 10. This is uh, the prophet. Also I heard the voice of Adonai saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go. And tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Do you imagine being given a, an assignment like that to go out and tell people, well, I'm going to tell you, but you're, gonna, you're not even going to understand it. You're not going to, you won't even be able to hear me. You won't see what I'm talking about. And so you can just see it, all of this enthusiasm. He was jumping up and down, send me, send me. I want to go and give that message. And then when he goes, and then the, and I gives him the rest of it. See, you're not going to be very successful. And I, and I, and it's actually was meant to encourage him. In other words, he was, he, he thought it was great. Yeah, go out, go and tell them. You need to get the word out. But do not get discouraged when they don't hear. Do not get discouraged if they can't see. There's all kinds of reasons. They're, they could be distracted by what's going on. They just there's too many distractions. They can't see. Or they don't understand what you're saying. You're speaking a, basically a different language to them. So, um, see how patient Yah is, how long-suffering. He sends his, his prophets because he's still trying to, to reach out to his people. These were going to his people. These were going to Israel. And, uh, and he knew they weren't going to hear. But the Heavenly Father never gave up. He sent Isaiah, he sent Jeremiah, he sent all, you know, probably know them all better than me. I can't remember all their names. Uh, Ezekiel, so there's, uh, and then when they call them minor prophets, it just that just means their books are a little smaller than the other ones that you're familiar with. They're, they're not minor. They're just as important to Yah. They were prophets of Yah. And uh, so don't get misled into that they're major prophets and minor prophets. They're all 
They're all prophets of Yah and all important in his, his mission. So what can today's believers learn from ancient Laodicea? And uh, I still can't see it up on our screen. But they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And what I have on the slide is just a bunch of pillars left of Laodicea. And uh, stones strewn around on the ground. And this was uh, an ancient culture, very wealthy one, and nothing left but rubble in that area. And uh, I guess they didn't hear the message. Okay. Now, what we don't know about, did Yah pull out some of those people from that church? If you're reading the scripture, it certainly says that he does, that before judgment falls upon areas, he makes sure his are moved out of there. So he could very well have relocated uh, his believers, his disciples that were in Laodicea and to other locations. But as for the rest of the city, you go there now, and you can go on these trips now. You can go to Turkey and see what Laodicea like looks like, and including all those other cities. And they all look like this to me. They're just rubble. Nice edifices, beautiful pillars. And, and former buildings, but uh, heck, we can see those without driving, getting out to Turkey. We can go downtown, see some of those buildings. So, um, but I also want you to, to understand um, from Smith's Bible Dictionary, what else can we learn? Well, Laodicea is a, is a Greek word, G2993. The word itself means justice of the people. So again, the justice of the people was the name of that city. That's a pretty, sounds like a pretty important area for that, that region of, of Turkey. And, uh, and all that's left now is rubble. So remember, names represent character, authority, and reputation. So these Laodiceans were known for being just people. They sought justice. People would come to their city to find justice. So let's see what else we learn from Smith's Bible Dictionary. It was a town in the Roman province province of Asia. It was in a valley called Meander. It was on a river called the Lycus with Colossae a few miles to the west. Now, Colossae should be ringing a bell with you. You should be familiar with them. That's Colossians. That's the book that you go to and read in Scripture. Paul's letter to the Colossians. So it was a city not very far away. So when we looked at those seven... Um, churches, there were actually many more churches that were on, on that, that, what I call the bell-shaped road. There were other locations that Paul went to, that John was sending letters to, and uh, there was a lot of Yas people in that area. What else do we learn from Smith's Bible Dictionary? Seleucid, uh, Seleucid monarch Antiochus II rebuilt and named it for his wife, Laodicea. So it was, it was named after his wife. He was thought he would honor her by building a city. And I suppose, thankfully for her, she didn't live to see what this her city ended up looking like. But uh, it was destroyed by an earthquake in 66 AD. So that explains a lot of the debris and everything else uh, that you see if you go out to that area. And that whole peninsula gets a lot. In fact, even today we're hearing about earthquakes periodically that hit Turkey. So that area is very unstable ground, and 
you think it's unstable because maybe they're not based uh, on a rock, they're not putting their truth and uh, faith on the rock. What else do we learn from Smith's Bible Dictionary? Emperor, the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, who was in the second uh, century AD from 161 to 180, he rebuilt the city. So after it was destroyed in 66 AD, so it was before uh, Jerusalem was demolished by the uh, Roman armies. This city got destroyed by an earthquake, and Aurelius said, well, I'm going to rebuild this one because it's on a great trade route. And uh, so he built it, rebuilt it after that one, and it became a very wealthy city, and it seated a conventus. That word in Latin for conventus means a meeting or an assembly place. That's why uh, one of the so even, you know, hundreds of years afterwards, they were still building locations for people to come, to meet, to assemble, to get justice. So what was in that city was um, places for people to come and seek justice. Now Paul expressed some concern for that listless church in, in Laodicea. We can find that in scripture too. Because keep in mind, John was uh, believed to have written his uh, his letters in um, his vision back in around 125 A.D. And Paul didn't live to be that old. But even before that, he wrote a letter to Colossians, that city in Colossae. He goes, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. So he was concerned about the Laodiceans and that city of Colossae. Let's read on what he said. And as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged. He's seeking encouragement. This I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet in spirit I am with you, rejoicing to see your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Messiah. As you therefore receive the Adonai Messiah, Yahushua, walk rooted in him, built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men and according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Messiah. So he was given a warning to the churches in, in Colossae, and in Laodicea, he's also sending that message to today's churches too. You know, we need to make sure that assemblies understand that there are still traditions of men going out, there are still doctrines, of the scientific doctrines, things that are seeking to knock down the word. And uh, what Paul was admonishing his, uh, his little churches in Colossae and Laodicea heed the commandments, sayings, and teachings of Yahushua. Because they were going contrary to what they were taught. And then I, got, I kind of got a kick out of it. He goes, and don't get robbed by the false doctrines and the traditions of men. Now all of us, none of us want to get robbed. You know, we put things up in our house. Some of us have alarms. Some of us have bars on our houses. Uh, the last thing we ever want to do is get robbed by anybody. The criminals walking out in the streets. Well, Paul is saying, hey, you believers, you're getting robbed. 
You better put up some bars around your teachings. You better get that straight in your head and protect it. So get under the covering of Yah. Because people are, are going to rob you of that. If you listen to the teachings and traditions of men, they're very good. Satan is awesome uh, deceiver. He, in fact, he's this been characterized as, a, as a, a light. So he, he will get people to say things that sure sound good. And in fact, one of the hardest things on, on my walk has always been getting rid of all the teachings and traditions that were pounded into my head as a, as a youngster. I actually had to get to the bed room. I almost had to like wipe the slate clean, come in with a total clear uh, whiteboard. You know, we put a lot of things on the whiteboard, and uh, it really is in the word. So start thinking, oh, that's a teaching and tradition of man. Throw that one away. What does Yah's words say? Oh, that one I'm keeping. I'm putting that one up in here, and I'm keeping it on the hard copy too, because uh, I, I, while I do agree they're going to burn all our books too, I think in order, the order they're going in is electronics first, and they're going to be replacing it with uh, with their own sayings electronically. Then they're going to start going after the books. And and, either, and you say, wow, we're in a modern society. They can't do something. They did it back then. They did it multiple times in history. Book burnings. In fact, even today, you probably hear every once in a while, there's some outfit trying to burn books or ban books in schools. So, I mean, this is this is nothing. shouldn't astound anybody that this is coming. But, yeah, it's constant. It's a never... But right now, they're supposedly throwing only the bad books away. But eventually, they're, we know the script. They're going to flip it. They're going to call... Good, bad, bad, good, and the out goes the Bible. That's a bad book. And if you got one of those, come willingly and throw it into the fire, and you'll we'll make sure you're well protected. And uh, that's exactly what the, the the Islamic conquerors did back in the in the early thousands, I guess, uh, 1200 A.D. or something. They were going around conquering. So they, they, they were taking books away from Christians, and uh, and then the Christians did it. Once the, the Pope got in control, there was all kinds of, again, it was, and if you look at the timing, it was in that age of enlightenment. That's when you started seeing these, what they call Protestant religions, uh, coming about. But they really were going back to the Word. They were saying, hey, you know, we were taught all this stuff in the church, by the Catholic Church. I'm not seeing it in the book. So what did the church say? That guy's got to go. It's not unlike what happened to Yeshua. He was teaching stuff that was, wasn't in uh, the Jewish, you know, the, the, the law of men, it was the teachings and traditions of the rabbis. He went right to the scroll. He was getting it from the scroll, the, the true teachings of Yah. He was Yah, so he knew. And what those Pharisees and rabbis say? This guy's got to go. He's dangerous. And uh, so it's a, uh, um, a repeating battle. Beautiful uh, picture we heard from Obadiah. Light versus darkness. It's going on. Every, and you can see it in the physical, and you can see it in the spiritual. Don't be lulled into sleeping. But when you're told to sleep, sleep at night. But when you're up in the day, you should be under Yah's covering as best you can. So let's see what else... Um, So Paul's counsel is for all believers. That, I'm just uh, encouraging you to, to 
Nazi, well, it's just Paul was writing to the Palisade. He was writing to these little churches. No. Take a look at it and try and figure out, well, how does this apply to me? How does it apply to my society? If you spend any amount of time, you will see pictures of America coming in regarding Laodicea. Are we a country of, of great wealth? Are we a country that has been big into trading and ex exchanging goods with a lot of other nations? I mean, there's a lot of similarities. Remember that picture that you saw of Laodicea? The picture of America. Now, some of them might get destroyed by earthquakes. Some of those cities that we're aware are right on earthquake faults. Are you going to be shocked if uh, L.A. or San Francisco becomes rubble due to a fire? I mean, they got fires. I mean, there's all kinds. Of... So, yeah, again, you say, well, why are these bad things happening? Yeah, is trying to get people's attention. He really does want us to repent. This is not, he gets, he gets no thrill out of wiping us out. He, he, where is creation? Why would he want to create us just so he can destroy us? That, that, that makes no sense. That's a teaching of the devil. And so he's truly trying to uh, wake us up through all these horrible things that are going on. He said, well, maybe I'll turn one of them around. Maybe this one will turn around. And I always recall that story about uh, the starfish. And maybe some of you have heard this picture of an old man walking up and down the, the Atlantic Ocean and he's, he's uh, early in the morning and he's walking along the shore and he picks up a starfish and throws it into the sea continues down sees another one throws it down the woman was watching him do this he was doing this for several hundred yards she finally couldn't take him much I can't find out what this guy is doing and she goes up and uh, says what are, you, uh, what are you doing? And he says, well, you see the starfish here? Then picking it up and throwing it back into the ocean. And she goes, are you silly? There's too many of them. Look, you, you can't be doing anything. And he reaches over, picks up the next one, goes, throws it in. Made a difference to that one. So, Yah is looking for each one of his children. And that's why you hear all those stories. The angels celebrate when a sinner turns around and, and comes back. That is huge in the heavenlies. And, hey, I want to be one of those. I know this guy needs to do a lot of repenting, and he's still not done repenting. But think, yeah, memory says he chastised those he loves. We're getting chastised. And, and sometimes the chastisement comes from the adversary, comes from the enemy. And I'll testify today, he's around. There are, he will attack you in, in unusual ways, a lot of times through the family. So just be alert that that's where the major attack is going to come. Because he knows you love your family. So he'll go after you with uh, unusual things there. So did Paul's counsel... <coughs> work, uh, did the apathetic Laodiceans hear him? In a word, no. And here's a graphic warning about removing them from uh, Messiah's body. Listen to what the vision came later now from John. Revelation 3, 15 to 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now that one's a little more graphic than the first one I read to you, right? It's spew that the King James used seemed to be a little politer, uh, maybe politically correct, and uh, but the language our, uh, our youth know, and you certainly know, is that word tossing out, tossing your cookies, uh, what all, whatever the vernacular is that uh, the youngsters have, and uh, picture what he's saying there. He's, out of, he's, that's coming out of his body. Get the spiritual picture. He's tossing them, the, the church, and Laodicea out of his body. He was viewing, if they didn't get themselves squared up, they were just worthless to him. They didn't even belong in his body. Now that should put everybody on edge here. And well, I don't want to get in a group like that. I, mean, I want to get in a, a body that he like. I'm, I'm looking for Philadelphia Church. And uh, I want you to keep in mind, we need to really start, though, by striving to believers like they were in ancient Berea. And that, uh, that name, Berea, it means well-watered. So don't you want to be in a, in a and that's, so there's a church there. Don't you want to be in a church that's well-watered, that's getting a lot of Yah's counsel? That's what the spiritual picture of water is. It's the watering from Yah. And I'll read to you Acts 17, 11 through 12. These Bereans, were, and that word Bereans wasn't there, it just goes, these were more fair-minded so it's these Bereans were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, okay, now he's got other oh, Bereans are cool. You want to get in Thessalonica? That wasn't in that group of seven. So that, I, keep in mind, there's many churches. You can add any church you want. There's plenty of churches on every corner in some spots around here. But um, there's a lot of churches all coming under different names. But here's the one in Thessalonica. And look what their name means. Victory of falsity. I mean, I mean, how can you make this stuff up? I mean, how how did that become the Greek term for victory of falsity? So when I, when you, when we encourage you to when you're reading, yes, read it, get it in, try to understand it. But when you're studying, go back and study the words. Go back and study the location. Go review it. And you don't have to do it immediately, you know. I mean, it's hard sometimes to get time. But you'll see, that's the importance of going in and finding out the meanings of the word. It, it goes, well, you got the Bereans. They were Yah's uh, council, well watered. And then you got this other group that they're under false doctrines. So it's, it's uh, quite a picture. So it says... The brands are more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they receive the word with all readiness. And they search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believe. Huge tip again, that, that uh, reading of the Bible. So if you ever go a day without reading your Bible, you ought to feel hungry. That's a spiritual hunger. You ought to feel like, I didn't do something right today. And you ought to
you ought to feel naked, like I walked out of my house without clothes. I mean, you think of anything negative. And we all have reasons. Oh, I was very busy. I was traveling. I was in the car. I was in the plane. I had no time for Yah. I had no time for our Heavenly Father. You know, that's a lot of... And, and so there's all kinds of great excuses. I mean, I just, this guy is using any of them himself. And I'm starting to feel bad anytime if I don't read and spend my daily reading time. So, again, you have uh, daily reading schedules. Things to encourage you to go through Scripture, check them off, and just keep reading it. You say, well, I've already read it a couple of times. How much more? I've got everything I need. If you think you've got everything you need after reading it a couple or three times, you've got to go back to the beginning again. Wipe your slate clean and then try and start filling it in. I'll give you another, just an observation of an old engineer. The third time through in reading Scripture, that's when everything started clicking. He started pouring stuff on me that I never saw. I said, well, I used to read the Bible. Yeah, but I read it piecemeal. I skipped and jumped around, and I never went from start to finish. And keep in mind, remember I showed you the, the, the Bible, the, the resources, includes the Apocrypha. Some, some church canons clip those out. Those, those apocryphers are good uh, books. There's very revelatory information in there. So, you don't know which ones are the apocrypha? They're on the daily, re uh, the daily reading schedule. If you're following Bet Yeshurun's schedule, you will end up reading the apocrypha in a year. So, again, I encourage you to, to read it daily. That's what the Berans were doing. And because of that, many of them came to believe. But we're going to go through an exercise. And again, I'm going through this uh, lesson just so you can see how I go and study this, the, the Word. And uh, believers of truth, though, are to search the Scriptures daily. So we're going to look up those words that cold, hot. Because I, And I don't know if any of you caught it. If you, were, if you were watching on the screen, you might have seen it. It said cold or hot. I underlined that or. It's that little word that so many people would blow right by there. This guy blew by it many times. As many times as I've read that, I missed that, that word. In fact, I thought he wanted us to be hot. That it was not good to be cold. But he says, I want you to be either cold or hot. So as I was doing the study, I go, wow, I never realized that. I, I really have to dive into this word and find out why, why he would even want somebody to be cold. Well, it's bad to be cold. There's that teaching again, that training. Yeah, if you're cold towards somebody, it must be bad. Well, he wasn't talking about emotions here. He was talking about the Word. So let's find out what the Word says about that word cold. It's uh, In the Greek, it's psychros. Psychros, that was kind of interesting. It's in the head. And Yeshua gave a teaching on what he meant by that word cold. It's in Matthew 10, 41 through 42. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold, parentheses water, in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Wow, who doesn't want a reward in this group, right? It's like a prophet's reward. And you need to do that, uh, receive a prophet. 
You want to get that righteous man's reward? Good lesson right there. She was telling you how to do it. A cup of coal. And that word was not in. It just said a cup of coal. The translators thought we needed to have water in there to understand it. So this guy actually misled me because now I'm thinking in the physical. But he did say a cup of coal. And I just realized, you know, that parenthetical comment was an additional word of a translator. It's not in the original. That really was just psychros. I might have caught that a little bit earlier than I did instead of waiting seven decades before I wake up to uh, what that uh, word was. And uh, in, the, in ancient times, these people that... Uh, that Yeshua was teaching, knew this. And if you look at Proverbs 25, here's how they knew it. Uh, it's as cold, it says, as cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. So that was his, uh, that was uh, Solomon's wisdom right there. But uh, And he put cold water on there, because that's something we can relate to. We are physical. Let's admit it. We we see things physically. We feel things physically. First, the spirit, uh, the, the, physical then the spiritual that that's the way this word is set up and so it's good to understand it is about cold water it's a great picture for us to see but he was talking about cycros a little bit different and then the cold i, I checked out one more uh, brown driver and brakes that wasn't on the list but another great resource i'd mentioned thayer's greek lexicon well this is a good hebrew lexicon that I encourage you to go when you want to learn about words. And, and it says that in Hebrew, cold is kar. It's H7119. means a cool, calm, quiet of spirit. It means to be the cool, calm, quiet of spirit. Now, now, you see what a difference that is. Instead of a glass of cold water, you're talking about giving somebody some comfort, giving them some cooling feeling, a, a, a refreshing quiet peace you're giving them peace that's what it's speaking of there so my peace is with you so that's he said wow thank you yeah now i can see why i want he wants people to be cold he wants some people sharing peace that's one of the isn't that one of the spiritual fruits that we're talking about sharing at this tabernacles festival so i hope you're all sharing some peace and calmness through all the rainstorms. The group was very good yesterday, actually. I went into the, the Strong's Concordance and checked out that word hot. Hot in uh, Greek is zestos. <laughs> Zesty, I can relate to that, right? Zesty. Uh, so that's cool. Let's see how many English words come from the Greek. And uh, everyone thinks, well, we're all Romance language. We're a Latin language. No. Rome might have gotten it from Greece. And Greece might have gotten it from Hebrew. So we're all interconnected. When it says we're a family, a worldwide family, we truly are. And our languages are not that far away. They're, they're tough. They're tough to get through and understand. Um, but English is probably one of the hardest because it's... Uh, uh, Hebrew to me is the easiest because it's, it's physical. Things you can smell, touch, taste. English, on the other hand, is scientific. It's very mechanical. And very, uh, you have to be very meticulous in how you study your English word. So, 
Zestos is, comes from the Greek root word zeo, G2204, means to boil with heat. It's a metaphor of boiling anger, of love. Zeal for what's good or bad is in a fervent spirit. Okay, so now you get the picture. Okay, there is some spiritual aspects of that word. And now you can say, oh, I guess I can see why Yah would want us to be hot. Be hot or cold. Be at least one of those things. Don't be sitting on the fence being neither. And uh, it's not a new concept. In hot, I went into the Hebrew, it's kara, and that's H2734. And it's actually been used in Scripture in Exodus 32.10. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. And we know who's speaking that, right? That was going to Moses, and he's saying, yeah, this, this is a stiff-necked group. There's no none of them here. Let me wipe them all out. And I'm going to start with you, Moses. And he starts moonwalking right away from that. <laughs> but Yah has got a hot spirit. This is Yahuwah. This is the Heavenly Father. He, he's, he, he's doing his what he wants. He wants his children to do what he says. And when they're not, he'll, he'll bring a judgment on them. So when he, you're going to get chastised, you don't want to run into the chastise of the Father that I'm seeing scripturally. Uh, the chastisement of the Messiah looks tough enough, but uh, I'm not anywhere near ready for the Father yet. So that's why I'm coming through the Yeshua on that path. That's the path we're learning to walk. So get on that path. Let Yeshua <laughs> pave the way. He's our big brother. He's our, our Messiah. Here's another one that comes out of Psalm 6, 1. O Yahuwah, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Here's another one. I think this is King David. <laughs> yeah, don't don't use your hot anger on me. Don't take your, your hotness out on me. And, and he was a man after Yah's own heart, he's saying that. So, so if you feel you know you're not quite up to Yah's standards, that's okay. That, but that's why we come here. That's why we read our word. In fact, remember I told you the uh, the canon, what that word meant, some measuring stick. The word is your opportunity to find out where you're coming up short on Yah's standards. And correct it. Better you correcting it than He correcting it for you. And uh, and the only way you're going to learn where you're falling short. Is read about it, reading it, understanding it, and then doing it. Three things you got to do. You're going to make some changes. So that's how you reconcile. So you look around. There's a lot of bad things happening out to people. There are consequences for bad behavior. Bad things are happening. They don't even know why. I don't know. You must get this all. Why are all these things happening to me? Yeah. How many of them are ready to, to hear, well, you know, you need to be reading the Word? Probably not the time to do it. You can only come from say, hey, I'm praying for you. And then you go back to the, the prayer class and say, yeah, that person's ready for you. That person, send one of your prophets, send, send a righteous man, a prophet, anybody. Just send somebody to, to grab on to that hurting child, that hurting adult, that hurting family. I mean, there's, there's sadness all around us. And you can walk around constantly sad. That's why we've got Yeshua. That's why we've got our, 
uh, Elohim and raise them up because you'll run yourself ragged. That Yeshua tried. Remember, he would disappear for long times into the desert. He got exhausted. This is an exhausting walk that we're on. You need time out. You need time out to come out into these kinds of settings. You just chill, hang out with each other. I mean, just eight days out here. That's incredible. Think about that. Now, I, I applaud everyone here. And I applaud you online, too, because you're, you're tuning into this stuff. And I, and I hope you make it out over the weekend and, and join up. But this is a great crew to hang out with. Campfires and the hot word of Yahuwah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize what, what we learned in today's lesson. Yah's ecclesia is cold. And I have a proverb for you, 25.13. Let the word explain it. Like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. For he refreshes the soul of his masters. So again, this is... And then I, I, I changed that. Uh, I said, it spread the good news about Elohim's kingdom. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful love story. So few people know, really know about it. There's, there's the ones that do, actually do see Yah's love. They do feel Yah's love. They do get under his, his covenant, under his protection. And you can appreciate our... And, uh, there's people that need to hear this good news. Don't keep it in. Don't be a light under a basket and hold it all and say, I got this. I'm keeping it all to myself. But when you go out and, and do this, just recognize, depending on who you do it with, you could get punched in the face. That's for you guys. I don't think it would do that to you ladies. But there are some that are very antagonistic towards it. So you've got to let that Ruach lead and guide you. They ask a question, you answer the question. You kind of lead them that. We've got to look for their interest in wanting to know about the good news. Because if you get up on the street corner and start shouting, uh, the good news, uh, Yeshua's coming, and uh, get ready. And you know how we think about all those guys that are standing on the street corner blowing um, microphones and everything else. So there's a way to spread the good news and a way not to. Just like we learned yesterday, there's a time for fighting and there's a time for peace so there's there's a ways to do this and uh but you that yeah wants us to be cold yeah yeah's ecclesia is hot i have a passage for you here to think about this one came from romans 12 10 through 13 be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love hey philadelphia in honor giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. That word fervent was zeal, zesty. Serving on and I, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Hallelujah, I'm seeing a whole lot of those things being done. But if you want, to, again, another recipe for how to get hot with Yah, that's the, that's a great passage. It's just to follow it off. And when you're seeing, if you if you're really observing and you look around this camp, you'll see these things. You can check them off. Now they're not all done by the same person, and that's okay. Again, we're all works in progress. As a community, though, to see all these things coming into place is a is an awesome sight. Call it the awesome sight. 
And so keep up the good work. Keep sharing your spiritual uh, fruit. Uh, but he wants us to be hot. In other words, he wants us to warn others of Elohim's coming fiery judgment. Again, there's people that have no clue what's coming on. They're oblivious to it. And and we heard that quote yesterday, my people are dying because of lack of knowledge. So you don't know who needs to hear about this message. And again, if uh, if you're talking to somebody, don't say, ah, you're going to H-E-L-L hockey stick, you better get straight, there's a fiery judge, bang, right in the nose again. Okay, so there's a way to present this message and a time and a place. So um, keep, keep, let the Spirit guide you. Yes, yes. But know what we're, we're to do. We are to be happy. And here's the opposite of it. Yah's Ecclesia is not, and capital N-O-T, lukewarm. Okay, that word lukewarm in Greek is kliaros, G5513. It means tepid, hand-hot, barely warm. I don't know too many people that like lukewarm baths. And I actually don't know anybody that likes ice water baths either, but I've heard of them. They jump into lakes and stuff like that in the wintertime. But uh, if you're lukewarm, we already know what's going to happen. We're getting tossed out of the body. And when you're tossed out of the body, talk about being without protection. Now you're really at the mercy, not only of the adversary, of all of his cronies, all the demons, all the minions, all the, the characters that are running amok in the field. We want to get as close to Yah's protection as you can. Stay under his covenant. And when you got to do that, get hot or get cold. Get one or the other. Preferably, there's no reason why you couldn't be both. You can do both. Just don't be lukewarm. So the, the message behind that is it's like father, like son. Lukewarm commitment and disobedience nauseates them. And this this is not just a, a New Testament team. This came right out of the Old Testament. It's Leviticus 20, verse 22 through 24. You shall therefore keep all my statutes, all my judgments, and perform them, that the land where I'm bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. You shall not walk in the statutes of the of the nation which I am casting out before you. He vomited those nations right out of the promise. Yeah. Some of them he drove out by Joshua and his forces. But that's Yah. Yah vomited them out. Yeah. You, shall not, uh, you shall not walk in the statutes of those which I cast out before you, for they commit all these things. Therefore I abhor them. He abhors them. But I said, you shall inherit my land their land. You're going to inherit their land and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I, Yahuwah, your Elohim, who separated you from the people. You want to get away from those that lukewarm. If you have any inclination to be lukewarm, get away from that as quickly as you can. Pick one or the other. Move into that uh, arena and, uh, and the Word tells you how to do it. If you don't want the Father and the Son so I'm going to wrap us up and just say uh, many of us are on. Uh, I got the picture of my 
road with the, I've shown it as the start. Many of us here are well down the road. We're heading towards the light at the end of the, uh, the road. Praise Yah. And I put up a quote, uh, scripture passage here from Sirach 51, 23 through 24. It's out of the King James. I'm going to consider somebody already saying, wow, that's not the King James. Yes, it's an apocryphal book. It was in the King James before somebody thought it was needed to get cut out of there. Why? I don't know if you've ever read Sirach. There's some great stuff in Sirach. Beautiful messages, wisdom. Listen to what it says here. Draw near unto me, ye unlearned, and dwell in the house of learning. Wherefore are ye slow, and what say ye to these things? Seeing your souls are very thirsty. That's who's thirsting. It's our souls. Our bodies can find ways to keep occupied. You let that soul get thirsty and die of famine, or die of thirst. Yah, yeah, bless you. Fix it now before we get there. In Revelation 22, 16, I want to close with a passage out of the end of the, the book, because if those of you don't like that, I, I have an apocryphal passage, and I found one that's uh, in the canonized scripture. I, Yahushua, sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, Come, let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this book's prophecy. So I'll close with that one. And open up to questions and answers. At least questions. Let's see how the answers go. <laughs> Hallelujah, that's good. Hallelujah. Any questions? Very attentive. Very attentive group. Appreciate you being easy on here. Kurt. Enjoy the rest of the festival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.